Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by my co-host Max Mallow and we have a highly anticipated episode for everyone listening. We are finally going to review A Quiet Place Part 2 and we're super, super excited to talk about it. Yes, this was obviously supposed to be last week's episode, but I didn't watch it. So I watched (laughs) it this past weekend and I'm upset I, one, haven't seen it sooner and two, that I wasn't able to see it in theaters because I'm sure this would have been an awesome experience. Um, I watched it on Paramount Plus with my girlfriend. And man, this movie is so good. Like, it's a shame that it had all the delays with COVID going on in the pandemic because in a normal world where, you know, movie theaters never got shut down and there was still a lot of hype going around, I feel like this movie didn't have all of the hype around it but once it released it would have blown up and it's it's so good i'm extremely impressed by john krasinski uh being a director and and leading these two projects uh, everyone knows him for being jim halpert and, and being funny mm-hmm. and he he can make a movie can that guy make a movie so good <laughs> Yeah, I I really love this movie. And yeah, I remember, you know, when we were getting ready for this to hit theaters, I feel like a lot of people were excited. But that was what, you know, April 2020. So, um, you know, got pushed back a bunch and then didn't hear about it for a while. So, I mean, I feel like for the most part, people kind of forgot about it until it was finally released in theaters. And yeah, I was lucky enough to watch it in theaters. I watched it again last week on Paramount Plus, just as good, honestly. I was nervous that, you know, once you know everything that's going to happen, it might not be as good the second time around, but I loved it. I, I think it's such a good movie. Yeah, like it, my viewing experience with it on Paramount Plus wasn't bad, but I feel like it definitely would have mm-hmm. been enhanced by being in a theater with loudspeakers and absolute quiet, you know. Either way, I, he wrote, produced, and directed this movie all by himself, uh, I believe, uh, Mr. Krasinski. He might have had other producers, um, but... Yeah, I think he had, yeah, he had other producers, but then written, directed, right. just him. Just amazing. Um, and the cast, again, is so good. Emily Blunt, John Krasinski's real-life wife, um, and his on-screen wife in the first movie, uh, and now, of course, his widow, Um because Lee, you know, he's not around anymore. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen the first one and you're watching this episode, shame on you if you just got spoiled. Um, Killian Murphy as Emmett, uh, who is this new character that gets introduced, is fan- fantastic. Millicent Simmons, who is um, Reagan Abbott, is also amazing. Like the entire cast: yeah, Noah Jube, Jaiman Hansu, is Scoot McNary, who's in the movie for like two minutes, who I love as an actor, is you know 
He's great. He doesn't have much to say or do, but it's it's amazing. I can't say enough about how much I like this movie. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I think we're we're both on the same page here about how much we really enjoy this movie. So before we get into our weekly horror news roundup, we do have to shout out Manscaped. Our friends at Manscaped had cleared you for takeoff with their brand new Lawnmower 4.0. All your hair down there will be transported to the next planet with Performance Package 4.0. You can join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Casey didn't hear me. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Perfect. Now let's get into our weekly horror news roundup. Because Natalie scoured the internet for everything you need to know when it comes to horror news. And one piece of news that I added because I had to tell Natalie. Because <laughs> I have to tell everybody when when there's news in this category. Um, but first off, uh, some sad news for HBO Max subscribers and fans of Stephen King's The Shining. The spinoff show, The Overlook, is no longer happening at HBO Max. We talked about this a, I feel like a couple months ago uh, when yeah. it was first announced. Um, it's being produced by Bad Robot, which of course is J.J. Abrams' company, and we were like, okay, like a couple months ago, HBO Max is just leading the way when it comes to horror, and you know, a couple months later now, into present time, Fear Street's been great, uh, Oxygen was really good as well, but I was really excited for Overlook, and being an HBO Max subscriber, um, it just made sense that I was going to be excited for it, but unfortunately, it's uh, it's not coming to the streaming service anymore. Yeah, I'm disappointed because, you know, we both love HBO Max and it makes me nervous because it looks like uh, they're closing in on a new home from this deadline article. So it makes me nervous where it could go. Definitely don't want it to be a Peacock um, or even Paramount Plus. Sorry, I just don't have enough faith in those platforms yet. But according to the deadline article, the reporter says that Netflix is a likely destination. So. That could be good. It could be good news. Yeah, you know, obviously this is kind of piggybacked on the uh, the announcement that Lovecraft Country wouldn't be picked up for a second season, which is also a bad robot production. So, some sad news there for um, subscribers, for fans of both of those series. Even though you know, I guess Overlook more property in terms of The Shining, since we don't know what this kind of spinoff is going to be about but mm -hmm. you know dr sleep was extremely successful um the original shining is in my top five horror movies of all time and i'm sure it is for you as well so mm -hmm. well uh we'll keep you up to date when it comes to more information on that as it is announced uh but if you want to go check out the article over on deadline go ahead and have a look uh the next piece of news uh is something that i'm extremely excited for and that is the fact that ice nine kills one of my favorite metal bands of all time uh, has teased their next song for the Silver Scream 2 Welcome to Horrorland. And it appears to be a song based off Child's Play. Now. This is exciting. I hate Child's Play. Chucky scares the shit out of me. <laughs> but the, the the whole promotional image was like a, a front for a uh, a toy store. Um, I sent it to Natalie. It's uh, she's like, what the hell is ink toys? And I'm like, just go along with it. Like they're, they're spoofing like a, a kid store where, where Chucky would be bought at. Um, you know, the, the, the tweet says join us for the grand opening of ink toys this Monday, August 9th, RSVP now at a link and then hashtag evil comes in every size with some blood drops and batteries. Now, of course, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but only did the original Chucky run on batteries? I can't remember. I don't think so. I think it was just a real doll. Right. Like the new one. The new one is like an animatronic little thing. Yeah. Voiced by Mark Hamill. Um, (laughs) So I'm assuming if they're going to do any child's play song, it's going to be based off the original one. Um, But what's also fun is that if you go to the link and either pre-save the album on Apple Music or follow the band on Spotify or do anything like that, you get a brief little teaser of the song. And it's mm-hmm. none of the song. There's no like guitar riffs or anything like that. It's just um, this catchy kids toy jingle. And then you hear like mm-hmm. running footsteps at the end, which is definitely Chucky. So I'm super excited for this yeah. song. Uh, and everyone in the world needs to love this band forever. So thank you coming from my TED talk. Uh, the next piece of news, <laughs> you don't have to comment on it. I won't force you to give it I was going to say, I was going to say that the only thing I had to add to that was that the new Chucky show is coming out. Oh yes. I saw the trailer for that. It's so coming out on, on sci-fi in September. I don't know. I don't really have any expectations, but I'm going to watch it. Right. And that's being done like Brad Dorif is attached to the project, who's obviously the original voice of Chucky. Cause I believe there was a lot of like disputes going there on. There was drama. Yeah. Like the original child's play people weren't happy that they were remaking it with Mark Hamill as Chucky. Cause the child's play reboot that came out is not connected to the original Chucky verse. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool that sci-fi is picking it up i'm not gonna watch it again chucky scares the <laughs> shit out of me <laughs> but fun um fun parallels there but you know i will give everybody a full review of the song on next week's episode because again everyone should love this band forever final piece of news from natalie also over on deadline uh there is a dracula spin-off movie coming out called renfield and it is starring everyone's favorite warm body zombie nicholas holt <laughs> so Give us a lowdown on this. Yeah, so I think this news just came out on Wednesday. Um, It doesn't look like much is known about, you know, the story, except for it's going to uh, follow Renfield, who is a character from the original Dracula book. Um, Chris McKay is on board to direct. And Robert Kirkman, The Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman is uh, writing the script. So interesting. Yeah, Robert Kirkman did Invincible this year, and that is my favorite superhero TV show of the year. Loki and WandaVision are very close behind, but Invincible is amazing. Um, Obviously, the original three seasons of The Walking Dead are also amazing. (laughs) Um, But something interesting about you know, Universal going on right now is that there's also a Wolfman movie coming out with Ryan Gosling. There's a Van Helsing movie in the works with James Wan producing it. So, you know, a lot of these old horror characters are coming back to life. Um, Ryan Gosling as the Wolfman, or maybe as like the guy fighting the Wolfman, will be very interesting because I love Ryan Gosling and La La Land is one of my favorite movies of all time. And same with Drive, but he plays the same very stoic character. And like, even though he's got emotion going on in La La Land, he's still very stoic. So, I don't, I don't know how he's gonna fare in a horror movie. I don't think I've seen him in a horror movie. 
I don't think so either. I feel like he's been in like a lot of like dark movies, but they're not horror. They're just drama. Right. Drive is a very dark movie, especially that scene in the ele- <laughs> in the elevator when he stomps that guy's face in, and Carrie Mulligan is like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah. But Renfield. Monsters and Renfield. Who who is Renfield in Dracula? Do you know? No, I don't. I think it's some one of the characters at the insane asylum. But I don't think I've ever seen him on screen before. He gotcha. has been. I just haven't watched it. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. He yeah. has been portrayed, though. I mean, Nicholas Holt was in, again, Warm Bodies. I like him. He's a good actor. Um, he was obviously Beast in the X-Men kind of reboot universe that they did with First Class and Days of Future Past. And what else has Nicholas Holt been in? Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road, of course. I was telling my girlfriend I gotta rewatch that movie with her because that is just like when we talk about a quiet place, right? Yeah. The reason why I like want to like wish I could have seen it in theaters for the first time is I will always remember my first experience seeing Mad Max in theaters because Fury Road needed to be seen in theaters. It was Yeah, like, that was so good. Like I also like took my grandparents with me. Um mm-hmm. Blanc's like I was I stayed I stayed at my grandparents for a night, and they were like, "What do you want to do in the morning?" I was like, "I don't know. I like maybe go to a movie." And my grandmother was like, "Just go with your grandfather. Take him to the movies." I was like, "No, I'm here to see both of you. Let's all go to the movies." She's yeah. like, "Oh, you want me to come? That's nice." And I'm like, "Yes, Nana." <laughs> so, anyway, little did they know, I was like, "We're gonna see Mad Max," <laughs> and they were like, "Okay, whatever." And we sat down in the theater, front row, right up against the wall. Where the giant, where the giant Dolby surround sound speaker was. Oh no! And that is a loud movie. Like, yeah. If a quiet place is a quiet movie, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. It's a loud place. It's it's a loud place. And my grandmother, not even five minutes into the movie, was like, "This is too loud. I'm leaving." And I was like, "Where are you going?" She's like, "Stay. Enjoy the movie. I'm going shopping." I was like, "Okay. Goodbye." <laughs> so <laughs> that. Coupled with how just like visually, it's 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 like eye candy, just gorgeous mm-hmm. filmmaking, uh, and the the music and everything like that is is awesome. The acting is great in it. Charlize Theron, uh, Nicholas Holt, and, and Tom Hardy, all fantastic. So, so good. That was my my little monologue. Um, <laughs> but uh, now we can segue into our Quiet Place Part Two review because. Again, if we haven't said it enough already before we've started our review, this movie is amazing. I know. It really is. I loved it. I feel like from the front to finish, I was so captivated. And when I did see it in theaters, like my jaw was dropped in the beginning. Just how well the pacing is of the opening, which we'll get into just now. But it it's just, it's really, really great. I really just love this movie. And I feel like this is a first for us that we're not super, super nitpicky, but we might get nitpicky when we get into the review. For sure. Um, now, you saw it at a Nighthawk cinema, right? In Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So what was that like? Was it, did you, did it add any extra, extra like flair to the, to the viewing that it was like super quiet and like if anyone took out their phones, people were going to come <laughs> in and be like, you, you're out of here. Yeah, it was it was not packed, but there were a decent amount of people in there. But I think, yeah, it was nice. And it was the first movie that I had seen 
back in in theaters. So I think that also made it super special because I forgot how loud movies are. And I forgot what it was like watching something without the subtitles on because I always put the subtitles on. Same, same. Um, so it was an experience, but it, it was awesome. It was really good. And everyone was respectful. No one had phones out or were talking. So. Yeah, Nighthawk crowds are great. Alamo Drafthouse crowds are great. I think the only time I've been to Alamo Drafthouse was the scene Parasite. And that was an awesome, awesome experience. I don't think I've been there. To Alamo Drafthouse? Yeah. Yeah, I went to the one in Brooklyn. Um, in the I think it's part of a mall with like a Target, I think. I know what you're talking about, but I've never been there. It's really, really nice. You should go. Um, and then I, I was. At, is it near Prospect Park, the Nighthawk? Yeah, there's one in Prospect Park, and there's one in Williamsburg. Gotcha. So you went. Which one did you go to? The Williamsburg one. No, Prospect Park, because I actually live super close to Prospect Park now. Cool. Yeah. So that's the one I've been to. I saw Pet Cemetery there. Oh yeah, same. Which I was, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Not a good movie. No. <laughs> not a good movie at all. Um so yeah, let's get into A Quiet Place Part Two, the direct sequel to the first one, um, that came out in twenty eighteen, also directed by John Krasinski, is a sci fi horror movie. Um surprisingly, you know, I forget when watching this movie that it's PG thirteen. Same. Um, I wish it was R rated. Because like they could have done a lot more with like gore and stuff like that, but it's not like the movie lacks anything by not having it, and the movie is still very violent for a PG thirteen horror movie. I agree. That was actually my reaction too when I um, watched it on Paramount Plus. Like it listed the rating and everything, and I was surprised that it was PG thirteen. It makes sense, but I think it it also I think I don't know if it could have been gorier just because I don't want any of these characters to die. There's only so little of them. Um, so maybe, you know, someone could have got injured and it would have been very graphic, but otherwise I think they, like you said, nothing was missing. Like, I think that PG 13, usually I'm not like a snob about PG 13, but if I'm going to see a horror movie, I want the gore. I want all of that. So an R rating is usually preferred, but they didn't need it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the whole premise of a quiet place, kind of the, the movie that kicked off the mainstream appeal of, of doing uh heightened sense horror movies where you know people couldn't talk people couldn't see things uh you know bird box essentially mm-hmm. um there's also another movie called the silence which is very similar to a quiet place yeah. but the whole premise is that uh, an alien race has crash landed on earth and and caused a kind of doomsday event where making any bit of sound alerts these monsters they run over they have like blades in their arms and they kill you in a very fantasized fashion, like crazy monster over the top, spinning through the air, doing like kick flips and front flips and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, this movie picks up right where the second one left off or sorry, the second one picks up right where the first one left off. But before that even happens, we get a day zero, uh, you know, the day of the invasion from these aliens and, I think you and I both agree this is the best part of the movie by far. Yeah. It it, it hits all the notes that you want and it's it's probably better than any part in the first one for me too. It's it's yeah. it's like just a fantastic directing from John Krasinski. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So if you watch the first movie you'll know that it starts out 
it already is in the middle of, well, it's towards the beginning, but you know, the alien type invasion had already begun. So we never really got to see that type of backstory um, because, you know, you can only do so much in an hour and a half movie, two hour movie. So this movie opens up with, like Max said, day one, day zero, and the pacing is just so good. It takes place at a baseball game. Um, the family that we know from the first movie, Lee, Evelyn, Reagan, and Marcus, uh, they're all there at the baseball game. And the tension just starts. Like, even though they don't know what's happening, I feel like because we know what's about to happen, it's just like the tension is just so strong. And I think it works so much better than if we got this the beginning of the first movie. Agreed. Um, definitely plays into the fact that the audience knows what's about to happen and mm -hmm. the citizens of this town in, I believe they're in like upstate New York, right? Yeah, they're in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they have no clue what's going on. They're kind of going about their day. And the thing that I know you were upset about, and I believe my girlfriend was too, is that just like how quiet the first one is, unironically. Yeah. It's it, it's no dialogue. It could get boring very quickly, right? Um, if the tension dips at all, you kind of lose your immersion in the film. Yeah. But this one has extended dialogue. And especially in this opening scene, the the detail in the audio between everyone talking, what's going on outside uh, at the baseball game, and the the panning they do to Reagan, who of course uh, is hearing impaired, and you know the sign language that uh, she communicates with with Lee, her her father, and one of our new characters in the film, who was played by Killian Murphy, known as Emmett. It, it's it it's all done so well. The, mm -hmm. the sound mixing is fantastic. Like I think this movie should win an Oscar for sound mixing uh, and sound editing. It it's amazing. On top of the music from Marco Beltrami, it's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, because like it, it seems like a normal day in this quiet upstate town in in New York, and as they're at this baseball game, uh, they they look up to the sky and everyone just looks up and sees this giant asteroid <laughs> heading for Earth, and they're like, what? the hell is going on and the baseball umpire's like that's the game game's over mm -hmm. can you imagine I, I i'd be like uh no i'm i'm up to bat i'm gonna hit <laughs> a dinner like, no not that imagine if the freaking asteroid you just look up and it's like oh it's also like what do you even do run away from it it's like earth is i think they also keep thinking it's a bomb too because earlier on right in the beginning uh, Lee is like grabbing something at a deli or a grocery store and the TV is on and they're mentioning like a, a bombing or something like that. So right. it's like no one really knows obviously what it is. They just know they need to stop everything they're doing and try to get out of town. It's crazy. That's just like your first instinct. It's like, all right, let's get the frick out of here. Don't know what's going to happen, but let's do it. So I think that was that was awesome because it's like you just know we need to get out of here. And when they all start, you know, trying to flee town, everyone gets in their cars, start driving, start running out. Um, these aliens appear and they just start attacking. They kill a bunch of people. They swoop in. Um, and I think it's awesome because they focus on Lee and, and Reagan together. And then also um, the mom, Evelyn and Marcus, the son together. So seeing like the two parallels of both of the groups of the family trying to get out, it was just awesome. Obviously, you know, 
none of them are going to die at this time, but you're still on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And the one thing we can say before the, um, we take our first break is that, you know, they, um, the, the townspeople are running, they're hiding and, and Lee is separated from Evelyn and, uh, what's the son's name? Marcus mm-hmm. and, and their baby son, um, what's his name? Zachary. Uh, he, he's the one who dies in the very beginning of the first one. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Reagan is like, I'm going with dad and they're separated and they run into a restaurant after the aliens attack. And, you know, he's like, everyone be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And what's fun is that like, you know, the, uh, the the common thing to do is to be quiet, right? They're like, don't yeah. make any sound, don't let anybody know that we're here. But what they also don't know is that they're inherently protecting themselves from the aliens completely because the aliens completely operate over sound since they're blind. So it's just like, oh, again, John Krasinski is just such a good director. Yeah, I agree. And it happens, everything happens so fast, but everything is so deliberate. Like, you're right. It's like your instincts. If you go somewhere, you go and hide. That's all you really know what to do. So, of course, you're going to be quiet. But then they realize when a girl in the restaurant's phone goes off and the alien comes in and kind of swoops right in, then I think it clicks right away of like, oh, no, we really need to be quiet or else we're going to be dead. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, Lee and Reagan do a, a nice little escape trick. They get, they get out of the restaurant and they're able to flee and, and reunite with the family. Um, but just watching all of this take place sets the tone, um, for essentially the first movie and for this one again, you know, um, seeing the origin story of the aliens wasn't something that was required, but the fact Mm -hmm. that it was done so well, just kicks this movie off with a bang. Yep. I agree. So let's take our first quick break and then we'll be right back to keep talking about it. Um, and another awesome part about the opening was the bus that was driving towards Evelyn and Marcus. So then she had to like crank the thing and then start going in reverse. That had me, my heart was pounding and I knew they were going to live, but that part was just so effective. Yeah. Uh, great, uh, cinema photography there watching the bus come towards them and having Evelyn drive backwards away and, and calming her, her children. Um, Noah Jupe, who plays Marcus, does a great job at I love that kid. Just displaying emotion and heightened senses during uh, a crazy, life-altering moment. Um, and you know, not much later on into the movie. Again, he has a highlight point uh, of the film. But yeah, uh, after Day Zero kind of takes place, we're we're transported right back to present time, right at the end of the first one, which is nice. I really like how this movie picks up exactly when the second one ended uh the house the the farmhouse that they were living at of course was overrun by uh the aliens lee sacrificed himself to save reagan and their house is uh underwater but the fact that their house is underwater um is kind of traded off for the fact that now they know how to fight Mm -hmm. the aliens because the big reveal was that reagan's cochlear implant um because she's hearing impaired, creates a very large sound uh, frequency that is able to disturb the monsters. It sounds like very loud mic feedback when you're at a concert or yeah. something like that. Um, and 
that's the way to get their armor to to shed and they can attack them with guns but they abandon the farmhouse they head out on their own of course a newborn is with them and they kind of got like a little demon slayer type thing going on you've never seen demon slayer right no. <laughs> so uh in demon slayer tanjiro the main character carries his sister nezuko in like a little like backpack because mm-hmm. she's a demon and demons can't go outside in sunlight <laughs> so in right, this one right, right. of course a baby crying because babies cry all the time when they're very young would be very very damning to our character's survival in a world where uh yeah. heightened hearing aliens are out there <laughs> trying to kill people um so the baby they make like a little carriage for them for the baby Mm -hmm. in a box and there's an oxygen mask so the baby has oxygen and can breathe in it very smart very intuitive i like how our characters are like again smart Smart, yeah they're evolving they they know how to live in this world it's 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 awesome i i very much appreciate and i know you do as well when characters are smart and they're not yeah kind of just like what do we do we're so helpless like let's figure it out let's get together yeah, that's a good point. At no point in this movie was I yelling like, no, do this. Like they were doing all the right things. They were probably smarter than I would have been. And, you know, their world is just messed up. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, we'll get into it later in the movie. But Evelyn is just like this extreme badass throughout this yeah. entire movie, which I really appreciate because Lee is very much the father figure in the first one, protecting his family. And now that he's gone, Evelyn dealing with that trauma and obviously dealing with the fact of, of being a, a mother to a newborn, she's like, get in my way and you're going to die. And mm-hmm. I love that she's kind of taken that character turn in the second one to being like, no one gets between me and my kids. That's it. Like I've lost everything. Like, F you, get out of my way. Um, yeah, I agree. And yeah, so like I said, our characters head out on a, a dirt path road. You know, the the road in the first one was kind of ironed out with sand, so they didn't make a lot of noise when they were walking to the to the woods to to keep their their foot their footprints masked. Again, very smart characters, but they get to mm-hmm. a point where the sand stops, and they know they've reached a new area that they're going to explore, and, and off they go. Yep, and of course, uh, new territory brings new new dangers. So um, as they're walking, Evelyn is kind of leading the way, and she steps kind of in. And it's like one of those like invisible kind of like it's not a fence, but it's just one of those. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a not a rope. Um, Tripwire. Yeah, a wire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, you know, they're walking, and she um, steps steps on the wire basically and that sets off an alarm so it kind of tells you okay someone's probably living here but also oh shit an alarm is going off so these aliens are coming of course uh you know that alerts these aliens and they start to run and this is the one of the most tragic parts of the movie just because as they're you know running off um marcus the little kid he steps right into a bear trap falls on the ground and is absolutely hysterical screaming at the top of his lungs ouch i it hurts me to think about it yeah the the moment when he steps in it like yeah. the, the your your fear is already intensified because of the trip what are they it's like a factory or like a refinery or something like yeah that. yeah it's some kind of like factory right um and they're navigating through it and once you know the the bottle tripwire thing is, is let go 
they they have this chase going on, and there's also uh, a different view that we get of a character looking at them through a sniper scope. Mm-hmm. So super cool there. So there's that on top of the fact that they, they know the aliens are coming to get them. Um, and then Marcus steps in the bear trap, and he like steps mm-hmm. in it and is like, what was that? And then he turns around, looks at his foot, and then he just loses his mind. And it's done so well. Ouch, like you said, indeed. Um, and Killed me. Yeah, Evelyn is like crying, just like, please, please, please be quiet. Stop screaming, stop screaming, because she knows that this is going to be the end of them if they if mm-hmm. if unfortunately marcus can't uh you know stop crying but of course you can't blame him because he's however old he is and he just stepped in a bear trap um but as this happens um we we get introduced to Emmett because after escaping the bear trap they run inside and a man masked uh with a rifle is standing there it turns out to be killian murphy who we briefly met in day zero mm-hmm. and he brings them underground into like the bottom part of this factory. Again, we don't really know what's going on here. It's not important. It just it's a safe safe place for them. Yeah. Um, and uh, we get a little more background in terms of what happened to uh, the rest of the town. Uh, yeah, and I for for uh, again upstate New York. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely New York because they have like the MTA. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and I think that the introduction of Emmett was really good or the reintroduction because he acts like he doesn't know them. And the first time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, aren't they like friends? Like why I would be like, oh my God, you're alive, you know, super, super excited. But he's not at all. He doesn't want to help them at all, even though it seemed like in the beginning, in the flashback that they were pretty good friends, family friends, you know, same town, seemed like a small town. Um, And I think it really just speaks to, you know, how much has happened to him since the last time we saw him and how damaged he is that he's in survival mode, doesn't give a fuck about his past, you know, and then we learn um, pretty soon off when he's talking to Evelyn that uh, his son and his wife both both died. Um, The son actually died the first day of the attack in the flashback, but we didn't, I don't believe we saw it. I don't think so. Um, And then he describes that his wife um, died more recently from, you know, being sick. They couldn't get the medicine they needed. He mentions, you know, her screaming. Uh, So you can kind of just imagine how terrible that was, her death and just everything he went through. And I thought it was just awesome because it was jarring to see how, how distant he was from them and just how closed off he was. And when he says how he lost, you know, his whole family, it makes sense. It's believable. Right. And we also get a little bit of, um, you know, like you mentioned that, that like ruggedness to his character Mm -hmm. um, that Evelyn displays a bit as well, but his eyes like get like a, a sense of hope that flash into them when Reagan steps up to fight the alien that attacked them when she uses an amplifier and her mm-hmm. cochlear implant to, you know, get the uh, the alien killed, which again, Emily Blunt absolute badass moment when she just yeah. loads up that shotgun, so so badass. Um, and he's like, "Holy cow! Okay, we can kill them." But that that dread quickly resets in him, and it's like, "Nah, there's nothing we can do. Like, I've come to grips with it. My family's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so alone in this." Again, factory, refinery, wherever they are. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, Killian Murphy uh, 
plays the 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 adult man in the life now for for this film since since Lee is gone and mm-hmm. I think he does a great job filling in because obviously Krasinski regardless of of the movie and what it does I feel like a lot of people our age are already endeared to him for being Jim yeah. Alpert you know yeah. so like we were gonna buy in no matter what but <laughs> Killian Murphy does a great job filling in in that kind of same role because uh, him and Reagan are going to become pretty much best friends for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's such like a good, like juxtaposition between Lee and, and uh, Emmett because Emmett is so different. Obviously, like we said, super rugged, closed off, like serious. Um, I can't imagine him like laughing um, <laughs> that kind of person. And it seems like, you know, obviously he was a father, so he has the paternal, uh, you know, traits to him but i think that when it really comes down to you know life or death he pretends he doesn't want to help these people but it's really because he doesn't want to get close to anyone and then they die too so he's trying to protect himself but then when it comes to life or death he is putting these people before his his own life for sure definitely um so yeah he brings them underground uh wikipedia is saying it's a foundry so it's not a factory or a refinery it's a foundry what is a foundry (laughs) Whatever Wikipedia says it is. Um, but the nice thing about this, like we mentioned, um, is that this is a soundproof part of the um, the, the foundry. And that opens up more character dialogue, which is great. Um, yeah. Emmett, God. Emmett mentions is like, yeah, we're like below like seven feet of concrete. Like nobody's hearing us down here. And they're like, okay, cool. We get some talking. <laughs> um, we can party. Okay. Yeah. Um, the... The, the next bit, like after you mentioned the, the whole kind of background on Emmett's character, um, Marcus is being tended to. He, he gets his wound dressed. Um, and as he's laying there, Reagan goes and puts some headphones on his head to try to calm him with some white noise. And she's messing with a radio. And music comes out of it. And it's Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea, which is a song that my parents loved and, and <laughs> I love it because of them just hearing it as a kid over and over again. Um, and like, holy cow, like we're hearing music. There's other people out there. And Emmett's quickly like, no, nah, that's been playing on the radio for like however long it's, it's yeah. pointless. Someone left a recording on it. Don't, you know, don't think twice about it. But Reagan being the, the smarty pants that she is again, like I love the, the role that she plays in this movie. Like she steps up as mm-hmm. the the um is she older than Marcus or is she younger? I think she's older. I think so. I think so. I don't too. think they ever say, but I think we're just assumed. Right. But I think the movie kind of like implies and it's like this is the older sibling stepping up for the family. Yeah. Um, now that uh that Lee is gone and um you know, Evelyn has her own role in this movie. So Reagan is very much the main character and, and yeah. our main protagonist. Uh, she, she's awesome in the limelight. Um, Millicent Simmons is fantastic. Uh, and, and great actress. she, she gets our, our plot kind of underway here. Yeah. So, you know, especially with what everything they've gone through and everything they kind of determine with the, with the noise, the high frequency from the cochlear implant, uh, Reagan doesn't want to just give up that this is just a recording or whatever. This song is coming through the radio. Um, so she basically is, she right. She says, you know, we need to go find um, the, wherever this is coming from, because then 
we could uh, kind of project the hearing, the cochlear implants noise, broadcast that, so then anyone else who has a radio and who's listening can use that to fight off the aliens, which is just pretty genius. I mean, yeah, like again, um, she's eighteen in real life now. I would imagine she's playing her character probably around like fifteen, sixteen. I yeah. Think, in this movie. Um, I was gonna say like fifteen or something. Yeah, I don't. I, again, I don't think it's explained, but yeah, <laughs> um, she figures out this entire plan. She's like, "We gotta go," and it's this whole like, again, just ingenious like realization where it's like, "No, no, no! It's a key. It's a clue. We gotta go beyond the sea, which is the Hudson River, maybe." It, yeah, it must be <laughs> some type of some New York island. I don't know what island it would be. Um, because as we as we later get get into that, um, it didn't seem like anything familiar, but I don't know. Right. It it might be the Hudson River. But anyway, um, you know, uh, a couple days go by um, or one day goes by a night and, and so, yeah. Marcus is like, we can't go. And Reagan's like, I'm going to go do this. And they wake up the next day and she's gone. She's gone out on her own to to find this island where this radio frequency is coming from. Just by herself. And I'm like, oh my God. She takes the shotgun. She's carrying it with her. And I'm like, this is not going to end well at all for her. And I'm going to be like really heartbroken if she just gets killed in some random fashion. That'd be so sad. I know. Isn't it crazy how like kids are, I mean, it might be dumb, but they're just always the most brave. Like I understand why Emmett and Evelyn wouldn't want to go. Evelyn just lost her husband. She's trying to protect her kids. Emmett is just like, fuck all of you guys. I'm not going back out there. Like the world is ended. You know, I lost my whole family. I'm, there's no point to this. And the kid is just like, I got nothing else to lose. Let's do this. Um, which, which is awesome. So yeah, like you said, she leaves. Um, and when they find out that she had left, um, basically Evelyn is like, you need to go to, to Emmett. She's like, you need to go help her. Like, I, I know you, I, you know, we were friends, please go help her. Right. Um, and what's awesome too about this is like, what makes the realization better in the end, um, towards the, the middle part of this movie, I should say, um, is that even when, like he said, whenever he sees the high frequency work at killing the alien, he's like, not like, forget it. And even yeah. if the idea of like, okay, I can go transmit this loud frequency across however far it is and we can kill these aliens. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I've given up. It's all over. Um, but the whole idea is to go bring her back because, again, Evelyn is very distraught at the fact that her daughter just went out on her own into this hostile world to yeah. to, to save it. Um, but you mentioned the MTA. This is where the MTA comes into play because <laughs> after wandering for some time through a train tunnel, she comes across a uh, abandoned train and goes inside of it. I don't remember exactly what for. Yeah, I feel like I'm just assuming here because she doesn't. Obviously, she doesn't explain. She's by herself, but I think it's just to kind of like make moves quietly and like without being. I mean, it's not like they would see her anyway. But I feel like. It might have just been a quieter way to get through instead of crunching on leaves or any other traps or something like that. I believe that would that was her mindset there. Right. Oh no, she has she has a pistol. What does she have with her? No, she has the shotgun. I think so. Yeah, 
Um, but in stumbling in the train, she comes across uh, the conductor, who is now skull and bones. Spooky. Um, and that startles her. Uh, and we get, again, awesome direction here from John Krasinski, because, of course, uh, Reagan is hearing impaired. So when she gets startled by the, the skeleton, she falls back. And again, you hear, like, she hears nothing. She doesn't know what's going on, but she knows... Yeah that an alien is coming because she made some kind of noise. Um, she's able to fend it off with the amplifier and the high frequency, but Emmett comes to save the day by killing the alien. And after some overnight talking and, and some discussion, um, Reagan persuades Emmett to help her complete the mission, which again is awesome to see this character like turn a guy who had lost everything, had given up in the world. Mm-hmm. And this I guess adolescent, we'll say, um, yeah. just gives him purpose in life. And it's awesome. I, I, again, I love the directing and all the beats this movie hits. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was believable too. Like the way I'm about to put it is cheesy, but it wasn't cheesy in the movie. Just that like, just a kid's like innocence and bravery and just wanting to do what's right. It's hard to deny like, especially when he just, you know, recently lost his child, I'm sure it just tugged at his heartstrings. And the way that, you know, she was able to persuade him was believable and showed that he also has a heart. Yeah. And she's very vindictive in her um, conversation because, like, he's like, he's speaking to her and he's like, oh, that's right. You're, you're yeah. deaf. You don't understand what I'm saying. And she's like, enunciate. And mm-hmm. I'll be able to read your lips. And he's like, oh, okay. And she like, I, I love, yeah. I, I love all of that. Um, but she like definitely digs the knife in a little bit there because she's like, you're not like Lee, like this, mm-hmm. is, like he would do this. How could you not do this? Because uh, of how I guess close you were to him. Um, mm-hmm. Even though that's not really explained uh, like how close they were, but yeah. you have to imagine for the movie, they were, they were pretty good friends. Um but uh, yeah, while all of that is going on, we get our side plot of the movie. Uh, back at the foundry, Evelyn uh, realizes that she needs kind of more metal, medical supplies, uh, and she wanders into town, which is awesome because at this point in the movie, you know, we're reminded of what town was like because we got the whole day zero scene in the beginning. Um, and she's doing a good job. She's wandering through the, the pharmacy, getting whatever supplies she needs to get. Um, and while that is going on, uh, Marcus goes uh, exploring in the uh, the foundry for whatever reason. Yeah, this is the one part that I'm like, what are you doing? Obviously, we can chalk it up to he's a child. It makes sense. You know, you're stuck underground and you're just bored and your mom's gone. Everyone's gone. It's like, all right, let me go see like how bad this really is. Even though I stepped in a bear trap. No big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know why he did that, but... This, like you said, the subplot, this is kind of now like two parallels. We have our mission now. And basically, Evelyn and Marcus, all they got to do is survive. Um, Emmett and Reagan, they got to figure out what is going on. So let's take our final break and then we'll get back into what happens next. Cool. So, um, yeah, and I think doesn't Evelyn, she needs to get more oxygen for the mask. Right. Evelyn goes for an oxygen tank for the baby uh, in the, the, the baby box, um, for lack of a better term, uh, because the, the oxygen tank was running low and the baby obviously cannot survive in the box without mm-hmm. oxygen. Um, 
And while that is going on, Reagan and Emmett um, are stumbling across the marina to find a boat. Um, because there's like a slight moment where Reagan's like, oh, he left me. He just like abandoned me. Um, mm-hmm. And then he shows up and he's like, I found a boat. <laughs> She's like, oh, awesome. Let's go. Um, so, yeah. What do you want to focus on first? The the boat plot or the, the foundry? I guess the boat. I also love how quickly this moves. Like when I'm like thinking about that, I'm like, oh, it's almost the end already. Like it, it doesn't waste any time getting to what's the most important about, you know, the whole storyline. So yeah, I guess the boat, it's more exciting. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, th- these, these two plots that we're going to talk about run parallel and there's a lot of intercutting between mm-hmm. both, uh, both plots, which is awesome. Um, and again, adds the tension. John Krasinski, great director. We've already said it. We'll say it a couple mm-hmm. more times throughout the rest of the episode. Um, but it's nighttime. They stumble across uh, the marina finally to find a boat. And as Emmett is looking for one to take, you know, I guess he's getting picky for whatever reason. All the boats. <laughs> it, uh, I'm sure the owners won't mind <laughs> if they're even alive anymore. Um, but as he's trying to pick out a boat, uh, he notices that there's someone else on the docks with them. And this is a little uh child as well who's kind of running around and they ended up cornering her and being like everything's okay like come with me i'll protect you and stuff like that but then we get a a group of marauders uh i guess um and they take um they take emmett and reagan hostage uh they get uh like a a noose around emmett's neck like some Mm -hmm. kind of rope and i don't know if they were planning on hanging him or like tossing him out to sea or whatever but it's uh it's not looking good for our um our boat plot characters. Yeah. And this is, I love this part because it was very piratey vibes. Like I was just like, Oh no, they're pirates. Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so fun. And I think something too, that we didn't mention was earlier on when Evelyn and the kids get to Emmett and they're, they're, you know, reunited. Emmett tells them that, you know, people who survive this aren't, normal anymore like they're not okay so i thought these were about to be like zombies or something i'm like they're gonna eat them he said these people are not okay what is going on yeah they um they're definitely not all there in the head um and (laughs) scoot mcnary uh this is when he appears Uh, he is titled on wikipedia and i'm sure on imdb as well as marina man i might have said scott mcnary before but it's definitely scoot mcnary um and yeah, he's the Marina man. Uh, he leads, uh, as Wikipedia says here, a small tribe of deranged feral humans that prey on travelers. Some uh, cannibals, maybe. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. How do I know Scoot McNary? Like, he looks so familiar. I know. He, he is oh, in True Detective. True Narcos. Detective. Gone okay. Girl. Uh, cool. Batman vs. Superman. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, he is. Okay. Um, 12 Years a Slave. He was in the movie Sleepover as DJ at club. Nice. What a role for for Scoot McNary. Anyway, <laughs> DJ at club. Um well, there's no there's no DJing going on at this at this boat party. Um but as um as they're being held captive, um a a callback to day 0 happens again because while they're at the baseball game, Emmett uh, and and Reagan were talking. Reagan was teaching him sign language, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, hand signs that uh, she teaches him is how to is to dive because mm-hmm. 
you know, they're talking about like diving, diving for home plate in baseball, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he makes the, the, the sign for it. And she's like, oh, okay. And she dives and then everything goes to shit. And this is amazing because obviously you have the human on human combat going on here. But as soon as anything breaks out, you know for a fact that the aliens are on their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was so smart. And again, everything happens so fast, but you're, you know, you're processing it. It's not too fast and everything is so deliberate. So they they create that, you know, distraction. Um, Emmett, you know, makes noise, gets the, gets the aliens to come and they're able to they're able to, you know, get out of out of these people's capture. Um, and what they discover pretty quickly is that the aliens can't swim. Um, one of them, you know, gets into the water and, and I guess it, it drowns. It can't swim. Um, so that's a huge revelation that, you know, they could be safe either in water or on a nearby island if the aliens hadn't gotten there yet. Right. Um, and yeah, we get a lot of, again, this is a time where like I kind of wish the movie was R-rated because there's definitely yeah. some opportunity. Yeah. There's some cool gore, um, but it's still violent. Like one of the aliens just absolutely tears this guy to shreds. Um, there's not like intestines and stuff flying everywhere, but you get the idea that that's what's going on. Um, but yeah, they, they get the boat and they, they, they head towards the island. So that's part one of our boat plot done. Um, and now we can head back to the foundry um, with Evelyn. Cause like we mentioned, um, Marcus goes searching, just wandering around doing, doing kid stuff. Um, and he ends up stumbling upon the top of the foundry where he finds, I believe, is Emmett's wife, right? Yeah, so it's it's a corpse, but I didn't even put two and two together that it probably is. I think it is. I, I honestly, it went right past my head. I'm going to be honest. Wikipedia says it is, so. Also, like, who else would it be? Just person. Yeah. <laughs> John Johnson cast it as person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah well that makes it all the more dark then yeah but it it is Emmett's wife um and he freaks out uh and like we said he ends up making a lot of noise and startles uh not only himself but the surrounding aliens um and he has a a bit of a a problem on his hands because the aliens uh invade the foundry and were able to break into the the safe space that they were hiding in underneath uh underneath ground and there's like these tubes in the walls well they're like these these steel tubes again foundry <laughs> factory refinery i googled foundry and it just tells me a workshop or factory so. okay so a foundry is a factory does that mean a factory is a foundry no say factory foundry five times fast <laughs> no don't okay um but yeah he's uh he's got himself in some deep shit and and they hide in this like again blast chamber type thing. Um, I guess maybe they were like cooking things or smelting things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, he grabs uh, the baby and they head into there and they're, they're hiding out there because they know for a fact that an alien is outside. And while that's going on, Evelyn arrives back at the foundry and she's like, I got a nice, clean, successful mission. I got all my supplies. I got my antibiotics. I got my oxygen. Everything is just hunky-dory today. And then she notices at the foundry that everything is not hunky-dory because an alien uh, is hanging out. And again, we get a moment where Emily Blunt is just an extreme badass. 
Yeah. And um, another point, too, is when Marcus, you know, runs back and, and locks, locks himself in the, the little bunker thing. Um, we realized that there was kind of like a cloth over over mm. the handle so it wouldn't lock yourself in. And so he accidentally locked himself in. Uh, not a lot of oxygen going on. So it's a race to see, you know, how fast Evelyn's going to get back or else they could suffocate and, and die. So um, fortunately, Evelyn arrives in the nick of time. She has to, you know, uh, distract the, the aliens. And fortunately, she does get back to the to the little sealed bunker um and and saves her two kids yeah she does a um kind of like a, a roundabout with like the the water sprinklers yeah to, to mask her footsteps to get back underground but she also sacrifices one tank of oxygen by shooting it and making it explode hoping that that would kill the alien but again these aliens are like super armored we already know how to kill these aliens so it's not that right i don't know why <laughs> she did that if like maybe it's like a last ditch effort or anything like that, because she knows how to kill them. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, she gets into the tube. The, I don't know what to call it. Um, I know. Bunker. Yeah, bunker. Um, and thankfully, this time when she closes it, uh, John Krasinski is, is sure to show that the, the cloth was able to catch it um, so that mm-hmm. they're able to escape okay. eventually. Uh, but it is Evelyn, Marcus, and the baby now hiding out in this one tube, hoping for rescue to come. So yeah, we get left with them, and, and they stay there for a while, and we we get back to our boat plot, and eventually it becomes our island plot. Yes, so many lost vibes. Totally, totally got the lost vibes here. Um, so the boat ends up again uh, sailing out across, assuming the Hudson River, um, and they get to this island, and they're a little you know worried, like is this going to be hostile that people here are not going to be happy that we've found our way here but they they park the boat mm-hmm. park i guess i don't know um i'm not a i'm not a sailor but <laughs> they they head inland and once getting there they find this little community there of people that are just happy and, and living their life which is uh jarring for them because they haven't seen civilization like this in in however long um, and it's an awesome moment where Emmett becomes very, very vulnerable, uh, and it, it mm-hmm. shows the depth of his character. Yeah, I think it's crazy that they they get onto the island and they just see people hanging out, like being loud, you know, essentially partying, not being anything reckless, but you know, they're hanging out, they're having a gathering, they're having a good time, and it it was crazy for us to watch as a viewer. So you can only imagine, you know, how Emmett and Reagan were feeling. Um, and that's when we meet Jaiman Hansu, who does not have a name in this in this movie, um, but he's kind of the leader of the pack on there. And he explains to them that you know when the when the aliens attacked and everything, um, people quickly realized they couldn't swim, so a bunch of people were kind of carted out to this island um, to to you know survive. And that's what they've been what they've been doing. Yeah, and he tells like this really sad story about how like people were freaking out, and there was like six boats or whatever, and only two were able to make mm-hmm. it off uh, to the island. Um, and Hansu is amazing. Uh, he, again, Wikipedia calls so he calls him the man on the island, um, <laughs> but he's very much the leader of this little colony going on. Yeah, um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like um, Emmett just gets so, so vulnerable. Like we get the introduction of the town and everything like that on the island. And then it kind of cuts to, you know, they're just chilling. And, and Emmett is, is, you know, he seems comfortable. He seems like he could be happy there if he started a new life. Right. Uh, and we get, they stay the full night. Um, you know, they take care of Emmett and Reagan and the next day they're kind of like going about just like what a normal day would be like, um, pre aliens. And Reagan is hanging out with Jaiman Hansu's sons, I believe, mm-hmm. um, like playing records or some, or she's showing the son, how the cochlear implant works with mm-hmm. the aliens. Um, and all while this is going on, Emmett is just, kind of wandering around just enjoying life again in it, yeah. trying to like take in just his surroundings and he stumbles upon um a boat and not the boat that they brought um because they noticed uh again when they were failing to swim that there's a little shot of like one of the aliens, like, all right, I'm not getting off this boat. <laughs> this mm-hmm. boat is safe. The water is lava. I'm not moving. Um, and that boat happened to find its way to the island through just being adrift. And immediately the sense of like happiness and, and, and safety is evaporated. And he freaks out and we get this awesome scene so good yes i have chills thinking about it right now honestly i think this is my second favorite part of the movie just because like you said he was so happy and so hopeful and you know it was like okay we can we can restart we can be happy we can have this life and then the alien is is there they're gonna come attack uh this you know this pure and, and innocent place and yeah, like you said, he runs into town and, and starts yelling at everyone, you know, to get inside, get inside. And these people have been living there for over a year now, um, perfectly safe. So everyone is confused. Of course, everyone's panicked. And it's just a wild, it's wild. I can't. Yeah, he's like, I won't get inside, I won't get inside. Too late, the aliens attack, they start taking out people. Um, and Jaiman Hans, who's like, all right, we got to go, we got to go right now. Um, and he puts his kids in a closet in his house and is like, don't move, don't say a word, I'll be right back. Um, and I'm like, at some point I'd be like, don't leave your kids behind. But like, actually, this is probably a smart thing to do because the kids can just be quiet and, you know stay kind of unnoticed and undetected to the aliens. Um, mm-hmm. But they get in a car and they start heading off to uh, the radio tower where the frequency is being broadcasted from uh, to kind of fulfill the plan. And while this is going on, they're attacked by an alien. There's also like kind of car chase scene going on here, um, but they make it mm-hmm. to the, to the radio station. And once there, Jamin Hansu starts to kind of lose it a little bit. He's like, Oh, what if we we were too fast? We got away. Yeah, I gotta go back for my kids. And Emmett's like, no, 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 you can't go. And then he gets dragged out from underneath the gate uh, from the radio station and pulled away to his death. And it's like, crap, we just met you. I love Jaiman Hansu. God damn it. Um, But awesome death. Yeah, that was sad. And again, it's like all these moments are so fast that you're able to process it. But it's like, it's as if you were there. It's like, all right, we can't be mourning. We got to go do this so we can save everyone else, including your mom and including your two brothers. Like we have to go do this right now. 
So I thought that was awesome. They kind of, you know, look back and it's like, well, okay, we got to keep going. <laughs> so they run into into the um, the radio station and they see like the the song is playing in there. Yeah, someone just left a record on and has been playing Beyond the Sea for however long it's been. Um, and this is when we get right back into kind of like part one vibes when it comes to like being very, very quiet and maneuvering yeah. sneakily around um, as Reagan and Emmett try to navigate through the radio station. Um, you know, she tries to kind of tiptoe through a window without knocking any things over and it gets very, very, very anxious and stuff like that. But um, again, we've as viewers at this point in the movie and through the first one, we've been through this, so it's not anything kind of new, um, yeah. but I do appreciate it that it's kind of, back to the, the 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 horror that the two movies were built on and while that's going on um we are reminded that our the rest of our family is still hiding in this tube in the foundry um so they're kind of starting to panic because like oxygen is running low in there and they can't go outside because they'll die um and it's it's kind of last ditch effort now as mm-hmm. reagan is like i need to get this done and uh we get a very heartfelt moment where Emmett pretty much goes to sacrifice himself to save Reagan because the alien gets alerted mm-hmm. and he ends up getting his heel, the back of his leg sliced up by the alien. Uh, and this is all very, very emotional as this is going on because at this point in the movie, I'm like, Emmett can't die. I can't go through Emmett dying no. and Lee dying. Like this is going to be too much. <laughs> you know, it would be too much on the kids too. Oh my God. That'd be terrible. Right. It's just <laughs> obviously you can't like replace someone's father like that right. halfway through a movie, but you could tell how connected those two are and, and how Reagan is very much like Emmett's like lifeline mm-hmm. in, in terms of being happy again and mm-hmm. trying to find solace in the world. Um, and something else that I'll mention towards the end when we kind of give our final thoughts and, and what we want for part three, because there is a part three coming. Um, but uh, Reagan is able to get to the frequency. Uh, no more beyond the sea. Goodbye, Bobby mm-hmm. Darren. Uh, that gets taken off the record player. Um, and she, it's like this awesome moment where it's like, you know, scenes where like you either reload a gun, put the final bullet in, you get ready to kill the alien, like bad guy, or whatever like that. But she slams mm-hmm. the cochlear implant onto the microphone, um, saving Emmett, but also making the alien really vulnerable. And while that happens in the tube, Marcus, who is still holding onto the radio, hears it and is like, oh, here we go. Like, they did it. They they, they completed their mission. And this awesome parallel that goes on here is probably my third favorite thing in the movie after Day Zero, the colony attack. (laughs) This, this... Agreed. It's awesome. John Krasinski, great director. (laughs) The holy trinity of scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so... Uh, the the frequency happens. Marcus opens the tube in the foundry, and the alien. It was so badass. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I, for a character who you know we've seen Reagan very much evolve into this uh, heroine protagonist, like badass. She she's making that made that jump uh, in her character development. Marcus is still very much terrified of the world um, mm-hmm. in terms of his character development, but at this point, it feels like both characters have evolved, and they're just like we're badasses. We're the ones fighting for this family. Like we need to step up and take the reins and Reagan approaches the alien in the radio station. Marcus approaches the alien in the foundry. Marcus shoots the one 
parallel to Reagan stabbing the one in the radio station with like a metal rod, both mm-hmm. killing the aliens. Happy, happy days. They they eliminated the threat in front of them, and that's it. The movie ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, and I think like this part too of it happening parallel could have been done. So and like not a, it would have been so easy to not do it that well. Like it could have been so cheesy because of course this only happens in a movie. You know how convenient is it that it's going to happen at the same exact time? It's a movie, but you're not like taken out. Even though it's something that probably wouldn't happen in real life, you're not sitting there thinking that wouldn't happen. That's so like you know that's so stupid. That would never happen in real life. Even though like it wouldn't. But you're so immersed in the movie and just it gives the right amount of emotion that it's not too much and it's perfect it's it's so good yeah it's it's definitely a clear uh and concise vision from krasinski being like okay you have this lull in the movie where there's still a lot going on with the family back at the foundry but on the island it's like things seem to be okay and normal and then you're swept right back into the the tension and the anxiety and it all builds to this awesome parallel scene of, of the two kids stepping up and killing aliens. And it's, it's just so well done. It's just beautiful directing. I don't know what yeah. else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I agree. It really is good. So yeah, that's, that's the end of the movie. Um, I think the very last part, it shows that um, Reagan leaves her cochlear implant at the radio station, just you know, in case you can always kind of use that um, to fight off the aliens. So that's what we got. And I think it ends really well. And it obviously opens up a lot for the third movie. Right. It, it's definitely, it was definitely abrupt because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to just kind of, okay, credits, here we go. Um, but the way that this movie happened, I'm totally okay with it, the way it ended and with the way the, third part will definitely pick up like right when they leave the station and get back to their family and then it's time to figure out what the next plot of the movie is going to be um so yeah i i love this movie um <laughs> and we could, do you want to do like grades and then we can also kind of do um like what we want for the third one yeah yeah honestly i think i would give this a nine out of ten i think it's near perfect it's really really good i don't have like anything outstanding that i would say you know oh it would be a lot better if they changed this that and third like i think it's awesome i really loved all of it yeah i'm right there with you Uh, a nine is a great grade um i yeah i don't know what i would change either i don't think there would be much if anything like Maybe if I go back and watch it again and, mm-hmm. and kind of like step away and not force myself to be as immersed as yeah, as immersed as I was the first time, because I was like, not only am I reviewing for the podcast, it was moving out with my girlfriend. I'm like, <laughs> so you're trying to enjoy it. I'm yeah. like, all right, let's go. You let's don't want to be a critic. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think, you know, it could have been scarier. It could have been, you know, riskier. That's just kind of my personal opinion, but it didn't, you know, I'm not saying this is a five because of that. Like it, it's almost perfect. It's, it's very good. Yeah. I think if it was R rated <laughs> and it had like good core, it'd probably be like yeah. a 10. I think I would, I would go there and give it a 10. Um, what, what did you rate the first movie? Also a nine? No, I'd say like a seven and a half. I, I like the first one a lot. Um, 
I know you didn't, but what would you I get tried to one? watch. It. Um, probably like a seven. I don't like. I don't dislike it, but I tried to watch it after I rewatched A Quiet Place too, just because it was like related on Paramount Plus, and I was like, all right, I forget what even happens in this movie. And I started watching it, and after the little boy, um, you know, dies, which is terrible. It's just so slow. And I don't mind slow movies, but this wasn't like a slow burn. It's just a slow, slow. Yeah, it definitely is slower. And there's not a lot of cases in movies where the sequel is better than the first one. Yeah. But this is very much the case. This is like Terminator 2 or like Aliens or (laughs) The Godfather Part 2 or anything like that. This movie is leaps and bounds better than the first one. It's amazing, too, that they're like – you know, it definitely runs off a gimmick. The, the first, it's it's a, a gimmick mm-hmm. type of uh, genre um, that was relatively untouched uh, and that was definitely carved out by A Quiet Place. But it's like I don't want to see any other movies like this unless it's part three because I know we, it's overdone now. The bar has been set. It's like it's going to be very very tough to get to that um, for any movie establishing a new universe. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, so. I believe a couple months ago we confirmed they confirmed that a third one was going to be happening. Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly when. Let's right, see. it was definitely before it came out, and we were like, "Yeah, we were like, damn, that's ambitious." <laughs> they're doing a third one before part two is even out. Okay, I guess we were like, "How good can part two be?" Well, if part two is this good. Part three yeah. better be like home run, ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you want to see out of the third one? Because I feel like there's a lot of places they can go. I know. I almost wish, like, you know, neither of us, I don't think, are big spinoffs, reboots, all that kind of, all that kind of thing, like fans. But they could do a spinoff and just tell, like, the story of the island people. Like, I want to know what their first day was like, how they got on the island, and yeah, I'm really interested in that. And then obviously, I want to know what's going to happen next for you know Emmett, Evelyn, Reagan, and Marcus. Yeah, it's when like, and and the baby can't forget the baby. Yeah, I know. Um, Does the baby have a name? The baby. Uh, yeah. let, me, let me check. Uh, I feel like it's a Lee. After the dad, it might. Be. I'm I'm making that up, but I feel like that would be a thing, just because obviously he passed away. Uh, I don't know. Wikipedia doesn't have it. IMDb might have it. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, like I was, we were definitely concerned of like, what are you going to do with part two? Like, where are you going to go with this? And the way they did it was perfect. <laughs> like, there's a clear, concise, like, okay, we survived. It's not like our character just surviving for another movie. It's mm-hmm. here's a clear directive. Let's let's do this. Um, and every character has growth, which is awesome. Um, yeah. The. I guess the one thing that I'm really interested in is like one direction they could go with it is like Emmett's kind of descent yeah. into madness. If he kind of goes back into that direction, because there's no time for them to pause during the colony attack before the radio station where like his happiness is kind of set back in. He's kind of gotten a taste of what life could be like again. Mm-hmm. And it's ripped out of his hands immediately. And he's like, crap, mm-hmm. we got to go to the radio station right now. Like that's it. That's it. Um, but like that could be like a part of it where he was like, he was so happy. He thought he was going to be okay. But like something bad happens in the beginning of the third one 
and he loses his mind and it's like Evelyn and the kids versus Emmett. That would be interesting because mm-hmm. we haven't had um kind of that parallel, you know, whatever mm-hmm. male lead is in the film, he's the father figure. Yeah. So watching like Evelyn Reagan and Marcus and the baby take on an evil Emmett would be kind of cool. Um, and the baby. And the baby. The baby's like, I got this. And he like crawls out of the box as like a five and a half month year old child. It's just like, I'll do this one. And <laughs> pulls up a shotgun and blows Emmett away. <laughs> no. Um, it's either like that, but I also kind of feel like a natural progression would be like a little more action-y, a little more like along the lines of aliens now that they're like equipped to fight the monsters. Mm-hmm. It could be a little more action sci-fi than horror. But I also feel like that might be a little too far-fetched. I don't know. Let's get an origin story for the aliens. Where were they born? How did they turn evil? I'm just kidding. I, you know what's like you mentioned that, right? Like and they could do that. And it's also funny to like joke about it. But <laughs> what's awesome is that like you don't need that with this movie. You no, no. You don't need to know where they come from. You don't need to know anything about that. You just know there's an uh they're a big threat and they're very, very uh like hostile and lethal and it works you don't need explanation outside of it i know i completely agree i'm excited to see what happens um i hope killian murphy is back and i just love noah jupe the the kid actor he's so good in every single thing that he's in and i'm just a big fan of this child yeah me too he's definitely like he could have like sunk into that kind of like annoying kid role that I think some yes. people might might say. Um but I didn't get that vibe. Like mm-hmm. I've like kind of like think of like Dakota Fanning in War of the Worlds mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise and like people just love to harp on how annoying she was in that movie. And <laughs> like yeah, she's pretty annoying, like when she's screaming in the backseat as Tom Cruise is taking them away in a minivan. Um but he his character just the, the growth and the development is there. So it's, he, he's awesome. Um, I hope he's a little more front and center for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like the next character development could be like him wanting to be the, the, the man of the family and like lead things. But Emmett also is like attached to Evelyn mm-hmm. and maybe he, you know, uh, becomes attracted to her and they kind of start a relationship or something. There's a lot that they could do. And whatever I suggest probably won't be as good as what John Krasinski writes. <laughs> because again, he's so good. He's so good. He really is. I'm I'm excited. I love this movie, so I'm glad that you do too. Yes. Okay, so now a couple fun facts. Um, mm-hmm. So the movie was filmed throughout Western New York, including Akron, Olcott, Dunkirk, Lackawanna, and Buffalo, and other locations included Erie County and the city of North Tonawanda, um, and the Barcelona Harbor in the town of Westfield and Chautauqua County. I was doing so well. <laughs> Chau- Chautauqua. I'm sorry. Um, and... It said, in addition to Western New York, filming also took place in the Hudson Valley, specifically the towns of Dover, Pauling, and New Paltz, which I'm very close to. So perhaps it was the Hudson River. Um, but yeah. uh, the production invested over $10 million into upstate New York, creating 40, 400 hires and 300 background actors. Um, so 
very close. I want to definitely go explore New Paltz and see if there's any like scenes I can pick up on and, and um, kind of any production sets. And it'd be cool if they kind of like turned it into like a little bit of a monument. It's like, yeah, Quiet Place Part Two was filmed here. Um, yeah, right. Because <laughs> this this movie deserves all the praise it got. I don't understand what people could hate about this movie. I know. I'm about to like go read reviews and then be sad about it. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and if, and then the final pit uh, a bit um, as well is that obviously Millicent Simmons, who who plays Reagan Abbott, um, is also hearing impaired in real life. Um, mm-hmm. And they mentioned here on Wikipedia that uh, it was an article from Sci-Fi Wire. Um, deafness and American Sign Language uh, are inherently linked to the heroism of her character, yeah, uh, which is awesome. And that she worked uh, with an ASL coach to make sure that her signing and articulation were clean. And she said she felt a sense of pressure being in a position to represent the deaf and hard of hearing community. So, mm. um, yeah, awesome job. All of the actors, everyone attached to this project. Fantastic job. John Krasinski, if you're listening to this, <laughs> slight chance you are. But if you want to come on and talk about this movie, um, that would be awesome. Because, yeah, this is probably the highest rated movie we've reviewed on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. Nine. Good nine. One day we'll get to ten. One day. One day. There's been a lot of movies we've reviewed, but I think uh, very happy to give this movie the the crown jewel so far. I agree. Yeah. So anyone listening, be sure to let us know if you love this movie. If you didn't love this movie, uh, tweet at us and let us know what you thought about it and what grade you would give it. My Twitter handle is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. Max is at Odd Slice. You can also go on Apple Podcasts and give us a good review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And thanks for listening. This has been super, super fun. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.